Welcome, listeners, to another Transformation Church Sermon Podcast. Let's prepare our hearts to receive the Word of God. Come on. Good morning, everybody. Good to see you in church today. Come on. July, summer is over. Come on. School's starting back. Everybody happy for school? Pumped up about school? Starting back. All the parents. Come on. Any parents happy? Kids are heading off to school. Come on, all the teachers in the house. You know what? I want to take a minute. Let's just pray for teachers in schools real quick. Can we do that? Let's just pray together. Father, thank you so much for uh, giving us the, the, the power to, to, to learn and giving us uh, strong minds. And thank you for giving us people that would lay their life down in education, God, that would lay their life down in, in, in schools and the school systems and teachers and coaches and, and students going to learn, oh God, in classrooms and administrators and, and, and school uh, superintendents, God, and the school boards and the elections and all the things that are happening, God. We just pray right now for your hand to be in our schools. God, we pray for your, for angels, God. You said that we could send ministering angels, Lord. Would you, angels, just be sent, Lord, right now to minister salvation this school year like never before in all of our public schools and private schools in this region, oh God. Lord, we need revival in students' minds. Lord, give them safe places to learn and study and grow. Lord, we rebuke fear and bullying and, and isolation and accusation and self-medication. We rebuke all that from our school systems, oh God. We thank you for just the spirit of life and peace, Lord. Give our educators just uh, energy and faith and hope. Lord, thank you for a church uh, that's generous and is able to partner with school systems to help uh, to breathe life into where uh, areas might need some life this year, Lord. We thank you for protection and safety in Jesus' matchless name. Amen? I just felt like we needed to pray for our schools. It's a great opportunity to be able to, to just partner with the school systems. We partner a lot with Cedar Bluff Middle School, and so that's a real honor. And then we partner with schools all around the area. Uh, come on, give it up for Savannah doing our transition. Come on, senior at Hardin Valley. Awesome job. You're senior this year, right? Yep, senior at Hardin Valley this year. Uh, come on, the church is in good hands, guys. Come on, the, this is the church of this generation, right? And so, so it's not, they're not the future church. They are the church. And so we believe in the next generation. I'm going to jump into uh, a series today. I'm going to uh, look at the book of Galatians and we're going to start. I'm not going to go line by line. Uh, I'm more of a topical uh, preacher. And so I'm going to preach to you. I'm going to teach and uh, I'm going to go and pull out some verses and just give you some themes or some thematic elements from the book of Galatians. And I believe it's going to help your life. Um, the book of Galatians uh, there's probably many theologians say that there's no greater book that's changed Western civilization than the book of Galatians, uh, that literally all of Western civilization would probably be pagan culture uh, if it wasn't for the book of Galatians, that, that this book that Paul wrote is literally, they call it the Magna Carta of spiritual emancipation, that it's literally the monument built for Christianity's freedom from legalism. It's, it's, it's the gospel of grace. Paul doubles down on uh, preaching the gospel of, of grace and the gospel of simplicity. And so my goal really for, for today is that you would leave here a happier Christian. That you would leave here uh, with a little bit more joy in your relationship with Jesus. That you'd leave here with a little bit, with a little less rules. You're like, what? <laughs> that you would leave here a little bit lighter and a little bit happier, a little bit with a little bit bigger smile when it comes to your walk in relationship with God. Come on, some, for some reason, Christians have a hard time believing that God is not mad any long, anymore. God is not mad at you. Man, y'all better amen, amen me today because I'm going to come preaching hard. 
God, God is madly in love with you. God, God is not mad. God, all of sin and all of the punishment and all of God's wrath and all of God's anger and all of that was taken out on Jesus. He's not taking it out on you one day and, and, not, and not the next and then the next day. And when you mess up, he's not coming for you again. No, 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 no. The, Jesus literally paid the price for all of humanity. Whether they know God or not, he paid the price. And so Paul's heartbeat is to, is to author a book. There's six chapter, three chapters, into, or, or excuse me, uh, three sections and two chapter sections. And so uh, there's six chapters, but they're kind of paired up together. And I'm just going to look at uh, really verse one through 10 today. Paul preaches the gospel and then he comes in and, and there was these people called Judaizers. They were, they were Christians that accepted the gospel somewhat, but they were still Jewish teachers. They called them Judaizers and they, and they were coming in teaching that the gospel is good. That's great what Paul taught, but you also need a little bit more added to it. You also need to follow a few of these rules as well. You need to keep some of these dietary restrictions. You need a little bit more of these do's and these don'ts added to the gospel of Jesus. And Paul kind of gets ticked off right away and comes after that message very quickly to defend the gospel of grace and the all-sufficiency of Christ. Paul is, doesn't play around when it comes to Jesus was everything that Jesus was all sufficient. And so he's really defending this grace message. And so the Galatians, they begin to buy into this other teaching. And Paul shows up. He talks about there's no other gospel except the gospel of grace through faith. He vindicates his authority and his call. Uh, he sets a doctrine of justification by faith. And then he says this. He shows us that true liberty comes through freedom that leads to good works. True liberty has a freedom that does lead us to good works, but true liberty is a life that leads to good works. And this is, uh, we're going to pick up in verse one, chapter one, verse one, it says this, Paul, an apostle, he's defending his apostleship right here. Paul, an apostle, look at this, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God, the father who raised him from the dead. God told me to tell somebody in here that your calling and your gifting is not men's idea. That, that what God's put on your life is not for mankind. And if man didn't initiate it, man can't stop it. If man didn't start it, man can't finish it. That what God's called you to and the gift of who you are and your family and your calling and your purpose and your direction and your business is initiated by God who brings dead things to life. Come on, God's bringing some things to life in your heart today. God spoke that to me this morning. He said, this church isn't, isn't man's idea. Man can't stop this church. Come on, your, your heart isn't man's idea. It's God's idea. God, man can't stop your heart and your dreams. I believe that Paul says, listen, this stuff, my apostleship, my authority is not for men nor through men, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. And all to all the brethren who are with me, to the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace. I love that. Can, can I say that you'll never have peace until you experience grace? It's, it's grace first. Grace to you. Unmerited favor unearned favor, unmerited joy in life, un unearned, un undeserved favor and grace and peace to you from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ who gives himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil age. Come on, th aren't you thankful that Jesus delivered you? There's an evil age out there. It's an evil system. It's a world system. And Jesus died for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father to whom be glory forever and ever. Now Paul gets down to business. Verse six gets right into it. I marvel that you're turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another. Paul's like, That's not, it's not a gospel. But there are some who trouble you 
who want to pervert the gospel of Christ, but even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel, man, if we preach some other gospel or if an angel shows up and preaches some other gospel to you, uh, then, what have, well, then what we've preached to you, let them be accursed. Paul starts damning people to hell. It's like, whoa. He's talking about all this good news. He's like, man, if anybody preaches any other gospel, let them be accursed. Verse 9, he says it again, as we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. Like, how's that good news? Like, whoa. Paul's not coming after the normal Christian that might have let some legalism into their life. He's coming after teachers that begin to teach another gospel, that begin to add to the grace of God. And so he says, let them be accursed. He says this, verse 10, for, for do I now persuade men or God? Or do I speak to please men? For if I still pleased men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. My theme or my title for today is good news gone bad. Good news gone bad. Let's pray real quick. Father, thank you so much for your word. I just pray for the simplicity of the gospel today. Our first love, Jesus, it was simple back when we started. It was simple when we first met you. It was simple when we first came into the kingdom. It was simple when you delivered us from sins. It was simple when we got on our knees and cried out to you. And Lord, somehow it's easily complicated. And so I just pray again today for the simplicity of the grace message, the simplicity of who you are, Jesus. Jesus, we lift you up today. We're all, you're all sufficient. You're everything. And so we just say we need you again today, fresh and new. In Jesus' matchless name, amen. Uh, the good news gone bad. How many people uh, in here like to go out to eat? Any out to eat people? Come on. Uh, my family and I, we love to go out to eat. How many people in here, when you get leftovers, you don't like leftovers? Who, who doesn't like to eat leftovers? Like, so who loves leftovers? Come on, we're my leftovers people. I, I, I don't know. Who, who in here loves leftovers and your family eats your leftovers before you get to them? Come on, you raise your hand. He's like, yep. Who, who has roommates you have to put your name on so they know it's your leftovers? Anybody booby trap their leftovers? You hide it way back in the fridge, put things on top of it, stuff spills if they take it, you know what I mean? Come on, I was that guy in college. My roommate had to, I kept eating his brownies. He would hide them in this pizza box, I mean, in, in the cereal box, and he would put them in these little bags and he'd put his name on them. He's like, and then he would like leave me notes when I would go to get them, like, I'm watching you, you know what I mean? I'm like, I love leftovers. My kids, my kids don't love leftovers so much. They, they, they don't love leftovers when we cook at home. They're like, well, I'm only eating it once. But, they, but they'll eat our leftovers when we bring it back from, from a restaurant. There's nothing worse than getting your hopes up. I'll eat leftovers, I, I mean, I don't know how many days. I'll heat it up. I'll eat it cold. Come on, eat it cold. It's like a new different meal, right? And so I just grew up like that. And so there's nothing worse than getting your hopes up, getting your dreams up. You know, man, you realize, come on, it just all of a sudden the good news clicks that, man, I got a little Chipotle in the refrigerator. I got a little, I got a little leftover, you know, whatever. I got a little leftover steak. I got a little leftover salmon in there, right? And then, you're, and then you get there and it's gone. Like, oh, oh, nothing worse than, than 10 o'clock at night. Come on, little 10 o'clock cereal people. You get, you get up. You got, I don't know what your kind is. I don't know, you know, whatever, sugar, sweet. What, what is it? Special K right there. Man, we need to pray for you. <laughs> you got to add some flavor to that. That's cardboard, brother. <laughs> I get it. I get it. I mean, I, listen, I, I grew up on grape nuts. Come on, somebody. I'm like... A teenager and grape nuts don't mix. You know what I'm saying? Like, my mom's like, they're good. I'm like, they're gravel. They're not good. 
So but, but 10 p.m. hits. It's like, man, I need, so, I need a little special K. And you go, there's nothing worse. Nothing worse. You reach for that refrigerator, you get it, and you smell that milk. You get, oh, oh. And you check that, and the milk's expired. Nothing. There's no more good news gone bad than expired milk at 10 p.m. when you're ready to, when you're ready to have some cereal. And, and the reality is we've all experienced good news that's gone bad in our life. We've all experienced or got our hopes up in something. We've all experienced something or desired something or got, got excited about something or prayed for something and, and it was supernatural or it was powerful and we believed God it was good news and then it went bad somehow. Come on, some of your marriages today started out with a dream, started out with pictures, started out with expensive weddings, but right now you're like, man, it's kind of gone bad. Some of your jobs you prayed for, begged God for, believed God for, and you got the job, and it was a miracle, and you're like, this is amazing, and then about six months in, you're like, I dread this, what is this? <laughs> Some of you begged God to have children, and there's people that you know that couldn't have children. You had children, you're like, God, thank you for this miracle of children. Now you're like, what did we get into? <laughs> How do we do this? And sometimes in our life, the thing that's supernatural can easily spoil. That's how the Galatians are experiencing Jesus. They experience salvation. They experience grace. They experience love and life and joy and simplicity and being wrapped up in the freedom of God and salvation and everything that, that it entails and power and peace and miracles and good news and just being ecstatic that God delivered them from death and hell and the grave is just, I'm just free, thank God. Come on, anybody ever experienced just the greatness of Jesus? Just thank you, God. Thank you. And, and, then, and then all of a sudden they begin to get around and we get around and we, we experience salvation like this and prayers have been answered. And then we get around some people with legalism in their life. There, there's nothing that Jesus went after more than legalism. He loves sinners, but he flipped tables on legalists. And, 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 le and, and legalism was so tough and he was so mad at, the, at, at certain sects of, of, of religion and, and, and Judaism because they wouldn't allow certain types of people into worship. And, and, and there's, this, there's these rules that come in and we, a lot of times we, we get so excited about God and then we get around people with legalism. And let me just say, I'm just be honest. Come on, we all, we all can deal with it at times and usually it's people in the church that do it. And, 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 and it's like, I, I don't know, I, I, I get around it and I get, get ah, and it just bugs me. There's nothing more that bugs me. I'll, I'll hang out with a lost cussing sailor all day long, you know, but, but somebody that's got that legalism in their life, it's like, ah, and Paul's preaching about everyone that's experienced grace and then get around legalism. It sounds, it sounds a lot like this, like you get saved, you're excited, and then you're like, you're on fire and they're like, oh, that's awesome. You're on fire for God, John. I'm like, awesome. Well, are you, do you pray? Like, Yeah. Yeah, I'm praying. Is it before 5 a.m.? Doesn't count. Is it, are you taking, how's your prayer journal? Are you writing down everything? Let me see your Bible. Is it, is it highlighted? Is it highlighted? You're, I don't even know if you're a Christian if it's not highlighted. How, how, have, you, have you memorized it? How many scriptures have you memorized? Well, well I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not real good at memorization. I'm not real. Well, well, that's proof that you love God. Really? I thought doing the word was proof, not memorizing the word. I thought doing it. 
was proven. And we begin to put these do's and don'ts and these, I'm not saying that if you do those things, they're bad. Come on, I'm not trying to come after your prayer journal. <laughs> but what I'm, what I'm saying is if, it, if it's the litmus test for your approval with God, if it's what, what brings God a, a pleasing, a pleasure for, from you or you're accepted by God and we begin to take this uncomplicated love for Jesus and we complicate it and we make these rules and we put all this stuff around it. I'm going to give you five thoughts today or six thoughts today about, about really just grace and what, what Paul says in this, in this doctrine here. In Galatians 1, 4, here's a very simple verse. It says, for he gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us. Look at this word. He might deliver us from this present evil age according to the will of, the, of God and the Father. My first thought is this. Jesus paid for your freedom from sin, guilt, and Satan's system. I know it sounds simple, but, but, but a lot of times we forget he paid for it all. Jesus paid for your guilt, your sin, and to get you out of Satan's system. It says that he literally delivered you from this present evil age. The word delivered means plucked you, snatched you, grabbed you up out, violently took you and snatched you. Can I tell some of you, listen, when I, I've got two kids, I got three kids. Whenever my kids got in harm's way, whenever my kids got around danger, danger, anybody ever snatched their kids up out of a, out of a street, grabbed their kids up out of a, out of a pathway of a car, snatched their kids out of danger. I don't consult my kids when I snatch them up out of something. I don't argue with my kids. What do you think I should snatch you? Can I just tell you, God doesn't need to consult you today to snatch you up out of that crap you've been in all your life. God's going to snatch some of you out of some addictions today. Going to snatch some of you out of some habits and patterns today. Going to deliver you out of this present evil age in a powerful way. God doesn't need to consult you to pluck you out of some stuff today. Man, as a good father, he wants to snatch us out and bring us. And he has. He snatched us out of sin and Satan's grasp and planted us into the kingdom of his economy. He's planted us into to a place. Listen, we have new desires. We're a new creation. We, we have a new, new habits and new patterns, but listen to me, it takes time sometimes for that all to come to pass. It doesn't all happen overnight, and sometimes you don't always feel like you've been plucked out of the sin and the guilt and Satan's shame and system because it, it, it doesn't seem so close to you all the time. Does that make sense? Like It doesn't always feel that way. I, I'm, uh, there's a joke about two blonde girls, but I'm going to make it about two blonde dudes so I don't f offend any girls in here. Two blonde dudes are sitting on the front porch of this house, and one dude looks at the other dude and says, hey, dude, what's closer, the moon or Florida? Another guy goes, duh, you can't even see Florida. <laughs> Here's the reality. So often our sin and our shame and our mistakes and our failures are so glaring. And our righteousness seems so far away because we can't always see it. But the Bible says you've been made the righteousness of God in Christ. Literally, in, in, in Corinthians 5.21, he who knew no sin became sin. Once and for all, it's done. He did it. He's the object of everything. He became sin that you might become the righteousness of God in Christ. You are in right standing with God. And that you, it's, sometimes it's hard to see, but it's inside of you. It's who you actually are. It's your identity. And so often we don't, we don't realize it. So we try to do all these things to make ourselves right with God. You've been plucked out of that system. We love do-goodism. In America, it's our number one religion is do-goodism. Here's the reason why. It satisfies our egos and eases our consciences. 
And, and, and the reality is psychologists say do-goodism is actually very powerful to ease guilt, but it doesn't deal with the root where guilt comes from, which is actually sin. That, that do-goodism can't get to the root of sin. Jesus actually delivers us from sin, pulls us out. I want to get you straight on who you actually are. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. You don't have to try to do anything else to earn God's approval. Does that make sense today? That's what Paul's saying. And number two, this is very powerful. Grace is the answer to human pride. So, so Paul says that we are saved by grace so nobody can boast that grace literally is the answer to my pride, that I don't deserve it, that I can't earn it, that I can't go. And it's literally, listen to me, it's blasphemy to add anything else to it. It's heresy to say Jesus and do all X, Y, Z. Now give me, I'm a, I'm a, next week I'm going to talk about what the works and, and the life that comes out of following Christ and who we are as a new creation, but to add stuff to be right with God, to wrap yourself up in some type of uh, spiritual resume is actually, is actually heresy. It's actually, it's actually not God. Paul actually gets very uh, defensive about it, and he says, listen, there's this human pride. There's this good works that we want to base our life on sometimes. Hear me. Good works do not make a good man or a good woman, but a good man or good woman does good works. And so it's just, a, it's just a different perspective. It's the different way to look at it on how to get to who we actually are. And if you keep trying to earn it, if you keep trying to get God's approval, what happens is good news goes bad. Good news, it gets heavy. It gets like you begin to try to, try, you go from this joyous place. Come on, you go from this easy, simple, I love you, Jesus. I'm on my knees. I got my hands up. God, none of this is, is capable without you. I can't do anything apart from you. Lord, I just love you. I just love people. Into this kind of complicated place of Christianity. It's kind of like marriage versus dating. Come on, somebody. Come on, you're dating. They're, just, they're, they're the most brilliant person in the world. It's like, look how she reminds me about stuff all the time. She just reminds me all the time. Thank you, baby. You keep my life in order. Man, she's nagging me all the time. You know, it's like you're dating. Like she tells me where to turn and, and, and how to, I, I used to miss the turn going to her house. She'd tell me where to turn. You know, so be, oh, baby, did you want to turn here? Did you want to turn here? I'm like, oh, thank you, girl. You keep my life on turn. Perfectly going the right direction all the time. We get married, like, why are you backseat driving? I know where to go. Come on, girls, y'all are dating. You're like, look, look at him. He burps so loud. Man, he's so good at, you're so good at that. You get married, you're nasty. And you're so spontaneous. You never plan anything. You're so generous. You never save. You're so strong. Man, you're so bullheaded. Good news goes bad. As we begin to get familiar and add these other things into it, and I just want to say, let's stay in the uncomplicated place of falling in love with Jesus again. God, you did all this for me. And the Galatians, they're allowing this same spirit to creep in, man. Everything's getting into their life, and they've received the gospel. They've received persecution, and they've endured it. They're running well. And Paul says, man, how you've turned so quickly from the all-sufficiency of Jesus, from the truth of Christ is everything. Paul gets ticked off, verse 6. I've read it to you already. He says, I marvel. I'm a, he said, I'm astonished. I'm beside myself that you're turning so soon. Listen to this language. So soon to a different gospel, which is no gospel at all. It's my next thought. Legalism is subtle and sneaks in quickly. Paul says so soon. 
So soon you've turned. In just two years, in two years, they began to accept all these other legalistic things into their life. They didn't put up a fight. Paul's like, you didn't even put up a fight. Like you began to allow these people to put all these rules and regulations on you and tell you this is how you're right with God and this is how you please God. Paul's going, no, 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 no. This stuff is sneaking in so quickly. And here's the thing. Why does it sneak in quickly? Because we're all in process. I'm in a process. You're in a process. I want to be a better man. I want to be a better husband. I want to be a better father. I want to be a better leader. I want to be a better boss. I want to be a better employee. All of us want to be better. So it's very easy in the pursuit of that process to add some things to our life to try to be better and try to get right with God in a better way versus just focusing on who Jesus is and what he does in our life. And so, so Paul's going, I don't want this to sneak in so quickly. Here's what law living is. Law living is anything we do to justify ourselves before God. When we base our worth and identity on our spiritual resume rather than on the spilled blood of Jesus. I mean, I, I am worth nothing apart from Jesus. I'm worth what he paid for. God's son, God gave his best. The Bible says that we were all foolish when we were called. We weren't of, of good reputation. We weren't of wealthy means. We weren't of most, we weren't of what God uses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And literally, we, we let this, this like spiritual resume creep into our life, and all of a sudden now, listen to me, all of a sudden, we, we can get so distressed or depressed in times because our emotions are anchored to our performance and not Jesus's performance. And so if you find, I, I can deal with this. So if you find yourself like all kind of getting down or getting a little depressed or like, man, it's, it's usually because your emotions are anchored to your performance and not Jesus' performance. Come on, Jesus got up. His performance was he conquered death and held the grave. Come on, my, my performance, even when I fail, even if I fall, there's a freedom. If I fail and fall, I know I can get back up because he got back up. I'm not anchored to me. I'm not anchored to what I did. I'm anchored to what he did. Some of you, are you're so anchored to your behavior, so anchored to your mess up, and you can't see him and what he did. I wrote it this way. My emotions should be anchored to Jesus' performance, not mine. And when I put more value on my performance, I devalue his performance. Now, again, it, some, some, religion, some religion can creep in and go, well, are you saying that I don't have to do anything? Are you saying, no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying, where's your emphasis? Where's your focus? I want to focus on what he did. Literally, I can't focus on me and get any better. <laughs> I, I got to focus on him. You can't keep me down because you couldn't keep him down. The devil can't keep you in bad decisions and you in the dirt and you in mess up and you in sin because he couldn't keep Jesus down. Jesus rose, you can raise. Paul says, I marvel that you turn away so soon from him. Listen to this language. From him who called you in the grace of Christ. Verse six, I marvel that you turned away. Hear this, from him who called you in the grace of Christ. My next thought is this, grace has calling power. Grace has a calling power. The message of grace has a wooing power. It has an ability to draw at your heart. I know how God called me. Listen, it says that he called you in grace. He didn't call you in manipulation. He didn't call you in scrutinization. He didn't call you in judgment. He didn't call you in wrath. He didn't call you in anger. He didn't call you in fear. Come on, he called you in grace, the gospel of grace has a calling power. I was an enemy of God and he pursued me. You were an enemy of God 
and he came after you with love. I remember when I was in the bars all the time, man, we shut them down. The Louisville bar stayed up until 4 a.m. Come on, somebody. Yeah. Some of y'all are like, woo, I'm moving to Louisville. <laughs> Come on, y'all know about, I don't know if y'all know about the 4 a.m. bars that stay up till 4 a.m. I don't know. But, but, but like 4 a.m., we come out of those places. I remember this one specific night. I remember it like it was yesterday. I'll never forget it. I walked out of this bar. I turned the corner. I'm hammered. My buddies are up, took kind of up further from me. I'm kind of back on my own. This dude walks up to me. He's right up in my face. He's like, hey, man. Hey, 4 a.m. Hey, man. Jesus loves you. I was like, where are you, you judging me? <laughs> you judging me for being in this bar? He said, brother, what about love? Has anything to do with judgment? He's like, man, he loves you. And that, those words haunted me, wooed me, pulled on me. I, I just want to encourage you, like, like God calls you in grace. I love you. You're his son. You're his daughter. Doesn't matter what happened last night. Doesn't matter what happened this morning. I love you. I call you. I pluck you. I snatch you. I grab you. I'm not consulting you. I pull you out of the evil system that this world offers, and I plant you into righteousness, peace, and joy. Grace has this calling power. Here's what's so powerful. Hear me. This is what's so important about that statement. Since he calls me in grace, it means I can come back to him based on grace. I don't come back to him based on resume. I don't come back to him based on reputation. I don't come back to him based on my pedigree. I come back to him based on his righteousness that he's given me. I come back in grace. Don't let good news go bad in your life today. Don't try to earn your way back to it. Well, I'm just going to start going to church in this new fall season and everything's going to change. No, that's not necessarily going to happen. I know people that are in this room that have been stuck in the same things for years and years and years. You're going to be called in grace and his power, not just showing up in a building, the grace of God, the power of God. Don't let that turn into just some simple bad news system Going bad when it's really good news. Think about the prodigal son. I don't know if I'm helping anybody today. Does this help anybody? I just, I just want you to experience life. I think, when we, I think we've made church too heavy. Come on, Jim. You, we, we talked about it last week. You, we, one, of our, one of our, well, I don't know him. You know him, but they were checking out our church. Jim's a real good friend of mine. And, and, uh, and he was, some, you know, he, he's, everywhere we go, you introduce people to our church. And, and you, you've been in our church for about six months, probably. And, man, we, we hang out. And, but I'm telling you, this guy's an evangelist. Every Monday with, with, at a halfway house, pouring his life into to, uh, ex-inmates and just, just has a heart for God. And, and, and we were hanging out and uh, inviting people to church. And, and he invited somebody to church. And I said this last week. He invited somebody, and they looked at it. And they, they looked at the, the online uh, sermon. And they're like, looks a whole lot like summer camp. And Jim told me that, and I was like, man, that's the biggest compliment I've ever gotten. <laughs> like, like, we need it to be hard and heavy. Shouldn't be fun. Shouldn't smile. Can't laugh. Can't be free. Come on, do you remember? Jesus said, Jesus said, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. So if it's hard and heavy, it's not Jesus. If it's hard and heavy, oh, you better be holy. Man, I'm scared of that word now. I'm not, I, I, I walk in holiness. 
when I mess up, I, I ask God to, to heal me and bring me and restore me. But, but my gosh, like, like if, if I'm hardened, if it's just, we make it so heavy. The prodigal son, Luke 15, he lives scandalously. I'm not giving you permission to live this way, but if you have, he lived messed up. He lived jacked up, spent all of his father's money, left, and then came back and said, Dad, I'm not even worthy to be one of your kids. Make me a servant. And his dad looked at him and said, you were never worthy to be a son. You just are. Can, can I tell you that sonship or daughterhood is not based on behavior, but birth? It's based on birth. And if you're in God's image and you're born into his image and you're born a new creation, well, you're going to behave, but you can't get your behavior right until you get your belief system right because behavior is rooted in belief system. If you don't know who you are, a son, a daughter, the righteous son or daughter of God, kings and priests, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people set apart, plucked out of an evil age, full of God's spirit and power. Oh, I'm preaching today. Come on. I don't know. I'm back, man. Come on. I just... I got to be me. I don't know how to be anybody but me. Is that okay? I, I, I just, you got to see and, and believe differently in order to behave differently. And the gospel should be a reflection of who Jesus is. You're a son. You're a daughter. There's a saving power. There's a, there's a grace that calls you back. You've heard me tell the story, but some of y'all, you, you know it. And we treat people like this in the church. Uh, grace is like a like we treat people like with the dog, you know, the dog chalk fences, the dog collars, the dog, they, sh they run through them. They're like, they dogs get like my dog used to get bold enough to run through those, those shock fences, get zapped. I'll just take it, you know, run on. <laughs> but, but then they would come back and they would, they would sit right at that line because they were scared to death to get shocked again. That's how we treat most people in the kingdom. They run and they get shocked and they want to come home. And we're like, man, we're going to shock you. We're going to zap you. We're going to make you pay. The, the, the prodigal father didn't do it. Didn't even tell him. He said, let's throw a party. You're my son. It's scandalous. Let's celebrate. Let's, let's have a celebration. My son was dead. Now he's alive again. Come on. Let's, let's focus on Jesus. The next thought. Legalism takes focus off of the person of God and puts it on the performance of man. It takes the focus off of what God did. I'm going to do this, and if I pray enough, and if I study enough, I'm telling you, I hear it all the time. Some of y'all are acting like, why are you preaching this in church? Because I have people all the time that say, Pastor, I pray for an hour every day. And I'm like, that's awesome. And if I don't, my day's terrible, and I, I fall off. I'm like, that's, that's, not, that's not the gospel. Yeah. Yeah. Pastor, oh, Pastor, my, my family and I take communion every morning together. Awesome. If I don't, then, then the devil you know, messes with me, and God isn't pleased with me. Oh, whoa. Well, that's not, that's not the gospel. Well, will you preach from that, from that message version? It's got to be New King James Version. There's not enough thous and thats and thuses and untos and these. I'm just, I'm just saying it's in us. It's in us. And I want, I want, Paul wants to get that out of us. And, and Jesus wants to say, you know what? If you want to become like me, here's the key. 2 Corinthians 3.18. 
It's talking about the gospel. It's talking about the word of God. The word is a mirror, right? The word of God is a mirror. But we all, listen to this, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord. We're looking into the word, seeing the glory of the Lord, are being transformed in the same image from glory to glory, just as the spirit of the Lord. We're looking into a mirror. We're looking into the gospel. We're looking into the word of God as, as unveiled face, looking, he's contrasting, looking into the law. He's contrasting Moses and the veil and, and, and the law. He's saying, you with unveiled face look into the word and you behold what? The glory of the Lord. And you're being transformed, seeing who God is, seeing what Jesus is like, seeing what he has done, seeing how he is risen from the dead, seeing how powerful he is. You're changed by looking at him. You behold what you, you become what you behold. And so if you're constantly looking at your mistakes and your failures and your mishaps and your mess ups, you're never going to change. You're never going to grow. You're never going to become who God intended you to be. The gospel isn't meant to show you who you aren't. It's meant to show you who you are. A son, a daughter, a king, a priest, full of power and miracles and God's glory. Even David said it in the Psalms, what is man that you're mindful of him? I was back in my room this morning on my knees. Who am I that you're mindful of me, oh God? And then, and then, he, and then he answers it rhetorically, but you've crowned him with glory and honor. You are crowned with glory and honor. You, you, you'll begin to behave based on what you behold about yourself and believe about yourself. Come on, behavior is not the issue. Who are you? Who am I? Man, God has set us free. I'm not going to live by law. I'm not going to let the law and, and the rules, and I'm not going to be obsessed over that. How do you know if this stuff applies to you? What are you obsessing over? Are you obsessing over yesterday? failures, the past, the present, the future. What are you obsessing over? I believe that our obsession should be over Jesus, that our obsession, he should be the central factor of our obsession, that everything we're obsessed about, that we're looking to him, that we're beholding him. Paul goes on. I got a couple more thoughts for you and I'm going to close up. Paul says this. He says, I'm surprised that those trouble you who want to pervert the gospel. He literally uses the word trouble. It's terrasso or it's, it's to cause inward confusion. I wrote this down. Legalism causes fear and inward confusion. It, it just causes all these things to go on the inside of you. To dread, it literally means they, they were troubling them. With fear, strike with dread, strike with disquiet, disturb, remove calmness of mind. All these things the enemy uses with us to, to get us to, to be in fear on the inside, to think God is out to get us. And this legalism causes this stuff to creep up on us. It's a miserable existence to always be looking inward and trying to figure out the murky existence of our mess. Versus going, I'm going to keep my eyes on God. I'm going to put my eyes on Jesus. He can change me. Legalism causes you to be disquieted. Come on. Anybody ever been, uh, have the police officer pull up behind you? Anybody ever lived uh, like you shouldn't and have contraband in the car <laughs> in certain days? And so when the police officer pulls up behind you, you've got a lot more heart palpitation than you should. <laughs> I've been delivered from that life, thank God, but I can remember the days when the police pulled up behind me. I'm like, I got stuff in the car I shouldn't have. Can we be real in church? Come on, y'all ain't also, y'all ain't holy with halos out there. Come on. I can remember. And so, so I'm fine now. I got saved. I got free. I'm like, whoa, I don't have to worry. I don't have to worry. Then, then every now and then, police officer pulls up behind me. I start, there's a little, there's a little retro, a little retro action. Like, oh, just starts hitting. I'm like, why do I feel that way? Because the law intimidates. Because the law can make us fearful. 
The law disquiets us sometimes. I'm not saying it's, I mean, God gave us the law to let us know we need to live a certain way, but when we're focused on that all the time, how miserable is it to live like God's behind you with a siren your whole life? I'm just trying to set you free today from, from, being, from being worried. God, you're accepted in, in the beloved. You're accepted by God. I, I don't want to, sometimes my kids, when we're frustrated with them, we're tired of them being a little bit ungrateful. We start reminding them all we do for them. I'm like, we paid for that food. We paid for that. We drove you five places. We paid. My oldest son, he's smart. He, he, all, every time we do it, he say, well, you had me. I didn't ask for that. That's your job. That's what he tells me. It's my 19-year-old. He's done, he's done it for like five years. He's like, well, y'all had us. You got to feed us. You don't need to remind us what you do. You had us. The reality is, it's true. God had you. <laughs> God's not going around reminding you of all he does for you. It's his job to take care of you and care for you and love you and have compassion on you and accept you into the beloved. I'm grateful. <laughs> I'm thankful. But God is a God that's much better dad than I am. I don't want fear and confusion because I've given my whole life to these good works that I'm trying to do to please God. Let me just say this. Live from rest. Can you just live, leave here today and work from rest? Pray from rest. Serve God from rest. I come to church because of his, of his, of the good news. I serve in this house because of the good news. I want to be a better father because of the good news. I want to be a better dad, husband, friend because of the good news, because of the gospel of Jesus. Some of you feel like you failed God so much and I want to close today and I want to pray for you. Some of you feel like, man, I'm not even accepted with God. I've, I've got this list of do's and don'ts. I can't even measure up. You're a son. You're a daughter. Come on. You got to behold Jesus today. Don't let good news go bad. You're, you're, God is taking care of you today. He's got you. He's got your heart today. He's got your life today. I don't know what you're fighting. I don't know what you're afraid of. I don't know what you're obsessing over. I just want you to obsess over his grace today. I'm so thankful that he built my life that he called me in grace, and then I get to come back to him in grace. Some of you today feel like God's like the big umpire with three strikes. One, two, three, you're out. My kids played little league pitch, coach pitch. They throw the ball to him. 20 strikes. After 20 strikes, they'd bring out a tee. They'd set the ball on the tee, and little kids would whoop. I just, I just want to be like that today and bring a tea out for you. Maybe you feel like you've had 20 chances or 20 strikes or, but I don't measure up. God's just setting up grace for you to be able to say, you know what? It's Jesus that did it. Don't obsess over yourself. Obsess over him today. He delivered you. He plucked you. He snatched you out of sin and Satan's evil system. Come on, let's live like that today. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that you did deliver us. That, Lord, we will not be harassed by Satan's legalistic tactics. That we will, will not be harassed by feeling like, do we measure up or I've got to do this and that to measure up. You, once and for all, finished the work of grace. That, that we were dead in sin, but you made us alive in Christ. That we were away from you and an enemy, but you pursued us. It's scandalous. That we get to come back to you in grace because of what you did on that tree, oh God. That you took all the shame, punishment, guilt, fear. You took all the rules. You took all of the law. You fulfilled it, oh God. You passed the test. 
And Lord, we refuse to let good news go bad today where we're hard and heavy on ourselves and everybody else. Lord, I thank you for just a light and easy life today. Lord, that you do the heavy lifting, that you carried that tree. Lord, I thank you that you did it. Thank you for this book of Galatians. I pray over the next four, five, six weeks, Lord, you could continue to speak to me and speak to us, that we're your kids. Thank you, God, for your children in this house today. Maybe you're here and you say, you know what? I feel like I've got two strikes and I'm on my third and God's mad at me and I just... I need God's grace today. I need to come back in grace. I've been scared to come back. I've been scared to actually surrender. Nobody looking around. Maybe you're online. Maybe you're in this room. If you say, you know what? I just want to come back to God today in grace. I don't want this fear of God in in a way that he's going to hammer me or turn the sirens on. I need need to come back to God in love and grace today. Would you just put your hand up to me? God's drawing my heart to him today. Come on, anybody here? Thank you for your honesty and boldness. Thank you for your honesty. Thank you for your boldness. Anybody else? I'm coming back today. Come on, put it up high so I can pray for you. If you're online, just type in, I'm coming back today. I'm coming back to God today. I need a fresh start. The Bible says this. If you would give your life to Jesus, you get a fresh start in God. That just simply means that if you'd make Jesus the leader and Lord of your life, trust that he died on a tree, rose from the dead, and settled all of it, that you get a fresh start with God. I'm going to pray a simple prayer for us. There's no magic in my words. It's just a prayer of surrender, a prayer of obsessing over Jesus giving our life to him and letting him do the work. If you're online, would you just pray this prayer with me? Or if you're in this room, lift up your heart with me in this prayer. Father, thank you for sending your son, Jesus. Jesus, thank you for grace. Thank you for the good news gospel. Thank you that you went to that cross. You were publicly shamed. You were beaten. You were bruised. You took our iniquities. You took our sins. And you did it once and for all. That it's done. God, that you took all of our punishment, all of our guilt. I pray today you would take the heaviness off people. You would take the shame off people. You would take the guilt off people. We bend our need to you today. You are Lord. You are God. You are our master. You are our leader. And Lord, we trust that you can do all the work in us and through us. Jesus, we obsess over you today. We believe you rose from the dead. So fill my heart with your grace. Fill me with your spirit. Give me a brand new heart and empower me to serve you the rest of my life by your good news. In Jesus' matchless name. Come on, let's give God praise in this place. Thank you for listening to another Transformation Church sermon podcast. If you would like someone to pray with you, or if you would like some ministry materials, please email us at hello at transformationchurch.us.